1: This episode is brought to you by Michigan Economic Development Corporation. In Michigan, you can have both a rewarding career and a quality lifestyle with plentiful career opportunities in world-changing, innovating industries, from electric vehicles to clean energy to biotech, with room for advancement no matter where you are in your career. Plus, Michigan offers a welcoming, beautiful, affordable, and inclusive community for all. Live your best life. You can in Michigan. Visit themichiganlife.org. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Trent Shelton here with us. Trent Shelton is a former NFL wide receiver who is currently the founder and president of a nonprofit organization known as Rehab Time. Trent has over 11 million followers on Facebook and over 2 million on Instagram, and his content has been seen by hundreds of millions of people all over the globe. I was really excited to have this conversation with Trent because I've been following him for quite some time and his content has truly impacted me. So that being said, make sure you take a moment to share this with a friend, screenshot this podcast, post it on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Trent Shelton, and last but not least, make sure you subscribe and enjoy the show. on everyone Casey Adams here welcome back to the rise of the young podcast today we have Trent Shelton on the show the founder of rehab time thanks so much for coming on the show Trent
2: appreciate you Casey man thanks for having me
1: absolutely so I've been following you for quite some time man you have so many value-packed videos that have gotten millions of views online and I know the listeners have seen your content before but I'd love for you to go into a little bit more about what rehab time is for those who may not know what that is
2: yeah, man. So uh the word re- well, the word rehab time came from really was just for myself. You know, I didn't want to be a speaker. I didn't have a goal of creating content. Uh, actually I played in the NFL, uh, lost my career there. I didn't retire, I actually got fired, <laughs> but uh got cut is a better word to say. And I lost myself, man, because I mean that was my dream since I was five years old. And so when I hit my low point, you know, I just told myself it's rehab time. And the word rehab for me mitts you know coming from a sports background or just an injury in general it means putting a strength back into a weakness and i know the process of rehab as a, as an athlete like i've been hurt yeah. before and then processes it sucks to be honest but if you if you're patient and if you do it right and if you trust your trainer uh, you can come back stronger than you were before you got injured and so uh, i took that mindset uh mind, body, and soul, so I knew like mentally there are some things that I needed to rehab right um I wasn't into reading books at the time I wasn't into any personal development, nothing like that. Uh, my personal development was hip hop <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and uh mind wise so mind body and body and soul, and so body wise just getting my getting my body in the best shape because at that moment in two thousand and eight uh when I started this journey, I knew I had one year to prove myself in the NFL. So I said, you know what, I have one more yeah. shot, let me give my all. And uh, then the soul part was just getting my spirit right, man, meditation, prayer. And that's how I started, man, and that's what rehab means to me.
1: Very okay, cool, so I'd love to to d- touch on the NFL part of your life because for me, I um I actually got hurt playing football in sophomore year of high school. I was in a neck brace for, for like six months and that's how I got into everything I'm doing now, was through this injury. But I'd love for you to touch on your journey um, going into the NFL and what that transition was like And then also, how, like you just said, how getting cut made such a transition period into your life and how you took advantage of it.
2: Yeah, man. So, you know, I tell people with sports, every level demands some more of you, right? And usually it's not about uh, physical ability necessarily, but it's about the mindset. So high school to college to professional. And so I was an undrafted free agent. I went to the Indianapolis Colts the year right they won the Super Bowl. So Peyton, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, all those guys were there. And um, I really learned what it took to be a professional at that moment. And but the thing about it, what caught me up was the lifestyle, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because growing up, man, it's just, you know, you see success. And I want to show everybody I was successful. So mm-hmm. and now I'm around celebrities, like my dream, like this is what it is. Yeah. And not knowing that, you know, I'm hanging around guys whose contract was solidified. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm still trying to <laughs> yeah. prove myself. It's not for long. You can get cut like that. It's done. It's no guarantee money. Yep. And I got kind of caught up in the lifestyle, man. And I stopped putting in the work that got me there once I got there, to be honest. And I still balled out, but things didn't work out, injuries here and there. But I tell people all the time, man, the thing that separates people, uh, you know, people who make it to the NFL versus legendary people is mindset. Yep. Um, the Peyton Manning's of the world, the Tom Brady's of the world, these guys, talent-wise, athletic-wise, Peyton is not an athletic person. When it comes to his mentality, it's crazy. I mean yep. – he knows the game. He knows everything before it even happens, and you have to put in that work. And that's something that I wasn't willing to do at that time in my life, being a 21 year old. So it caught up with me.
1: That's that's fascinating, man. So with that transition, what was like? What was your transition in your life from you know getting cut to everything you're doing now? Like, what was the process in between that? <laughs>
2: yeah, man, it was crazy because, like I said, I never. You know, just by nature, I'm an introverted person, even to this day. Um, Doesn't mean I'm shy. I'm just always, like, just a quiet person, just always thinking. And um, it was crazy because I never saw myself doing this. And so the transition was my rock bottom. And I tell people, you know, rock bottom, hopefully you don't have to experience it, but rock bottom can be a place where your life changes for the good. And my rock bottom was uh, two things. And it was obviously me getting cut, but in that process of me and the NFL, my son Tristan, who now married to Maria, mm-hmm. at the time that we weren't together and that wasn't planned. And so immediately I said, You know what? Tristan is following my footsteps. And as a father, as a leader, you know, people are going to follow you. My son is going to follow what I do. And I wasn't happy with my life at that moment. So I said, Okay, this is my sign to become a better man. So Tristan was the catalyst for me becoming a better man or the motivation cool. for me becoming a better man. And The motivation behind rehab time and me making videos about self-worth and, you know, not losing yourself was my best friend committing suicide. Wow. And so it was my promise to him at his service that I would walk into my fear. I would walk outside my comfort zone. I live the rest of my life helping people know their self-worth. If they lost something, they know that they can bounce back from it because I felt like he lost some things in his life. and He felt like life wasn't worth living. So it was my promise to him. And that strong why has been able to carry me through.
1: Very cool, man. When would you, like, when did you start putting out videos on social media? Cause now, you know, you almost have 2 million followers on Instagram, have millions of views. And I, I, it's so funny. I'll actually, I'll send some of your videos to my mom and she'll text me like, yo, that was, I needed to hear that today. And I'm sure (laughs) the same way millions of people hear your messages all around the world. Like, when did you start um, finding your voice to then go onto social media to build such a powerful brand?
2: Yeah, man. My first video was in um, 2009. So, you know, Facebook is my platform that, I mean, yep. even to this day is my biggest platform. Uh, but 2009 was my first video on, on actual YouTube. I actually saw it not too long. I was like, man, it's been that long. So that was the moment I had no idea I was doing. I look back and I kind of cringe at it. But I show people, <laughs> you know, when I speak, like, I knew you guys are comparing yourself to me and said, Oh, I can never speak like that. Look at me in 2009. I just started. I didn't know what any of this stuff meant, I was just sharing my heart. And I think that's where you start, man. You start with your story, you start with sharing your heart, and then you start to realize, because this was, my, this, this was my, where my healing came from. I started to realize that people needed my story, people can relate to me. And as they related to me, I'm like, man, it was actually a purpose of my pain, and it made me want to give more and more and more. And I just started recording videos after that, man, it just became very consistent over the next you know, decade.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's your most viewed, your most viewed video?
2: Yeah, so it came out last year. Um, it's on Facebook. It's about it's close to like two hundred million views. It's yeah. uh called Everybody Isn't Everybody Isn't Your Friend. Yep. And uh that's my views. most my most viewed video.
1: For the for the people that for you know, let's say there's a couple people that haven't seen it, I absolutely love the video. But yeah, what does that video mean to you and why do you think it went so viral?
2: Yeah, man, well, you know, when it comes to create an impact because I don't want everybody to always think viral because I think when you operate from that it's hard to create yeah. it but um the reason why I went viral and it's because it made impact and it touched I feel like three things it touched you know people's emotions um in a way you know when you when you touch people's emotions they're gonna share it right they're gonna they're gonna push it out to their people it also educated people about friendships and also was somewhat entertaining in that way and I feel like when you touch those three e's when it comes to content it's likely that you know that content would go a lot further than if you didn't touch those three E's. And so uh it was the environment, uh, for one. It was literally in in my office kitchen, and the girl in the video is my sister-in-law. Okay. And we've had these conversations beforehand. Obviously, the conversations on there were staged, but we had these conversations and I knew that people are gonna relate to it because everybody has dealt with, you know, a relationship where friendship has went sour. Everybody's okay. dealt with hard times with friends, and so I think people related to it from the scenery to the words, to everything, and I think that's why it went the way it went.
1: Very okay, cool. What's your advice to people that are going through hardships right now, from whether that's relationships or with friendships, because everyone goes through it, and especially in a time like this with so much uncertainty, with coronavirus, and you know people are losing their jobs. Like, how do you deal with uncertainty in your life, and what do you tell people?
2: Yeah, man, well, I just focus on the things I can control and i let go of the things that i can't you know i think we focus so much on the things that are out of our control naturally as humans cuz we want to be in control of everything so i ask myself this simple question like what can i control in this moment and i'm always thinking about my perspective you know when i look back in my life in my hardest times even when i still go through hard times it's my perspective that carries me through and the thing about perspective is that you're in control of that and i know sometimes it's hard to have a power perspective but i tell people hey your perspective need to be your power or your prison and so yep. a prison perspective, you're seeing everything negative, right? You're like, oh, this in this um, coronavirus situation, everything's going wrong in my life. That might be true, but also you can flip the script and say, you know what? What's going to be the thing that goes right in my life? So right now I'm losing a lot. Like I'm not speaking. I'm not doing any events, yeah. but I'm at home with my kids. You know, we're doing crazy stuff that we would never do before because yep. we're having this time together. So I choose to always focus on the things that serve my life when I'm going through hard times. And I ask and I tell myself, this is going to build me and not break me. This is power. And when I look back years from now, I'm going to say this moment, and maybe it's my NFL credit helped me because I thought that was the worst thing in my life. It ended up being the best thing in my life. So I look back and say, this moment is going to be a moment where my life changed the most and it grew something inside of me that nothing else would have grew. So somebody with relationships real quick, like, if you're going through a bad relationship, and I trust me, when I lost my high school sweetheart, I thought my world was over. I'm like, oh my gosh, my yeah. heart is
0: fresh.
1: <laughs> For sure. But now I
2: have a beautiful wife, and it took losing those relationships to put me in the right relationship. So yeah. you always got to think like that. You're not losing something, right? Uh, you're actually maybe losing that thing to gain something else, to gain something better. So I'm always thinking about the better that's going to come yep. from that quote unquote loss.
1: Very cool. You, you have three kids, right? Yep. How, how old are they? I'm curious. Yeah, so uh, Marley, which is my baby
2: girl, she is seven months. Then okay. I have Maya, which I don't know if you heard her. She was trying to come in here. Yeah. Uh, she's she's three years old, going on four. Okay. And then Tristan, that's my boy. He's uh 11.
1: Okay, very cool, man. Congrats on all that. How has having kids changed your life as a man?
2: Man, it's it's the greatest blessing. It's the greatest responsibility. Yeah. Because you know you are you know, responsible, you know, for their life, for their mindset. You know, I I, I say this quote all the time, man, and I I have it written in my office. As a parent, you have to realize this, your choices will become your child's consequences. And I'm always thinking like that. So I know the choices that I make today that I make tomorrow doesn't just affect me, it affects my whole, my whole household affects my kids. And so I'm always thinking about them when I'm making my choices. I'm always thinking about them when I want to be lazy because I know I'm setting a foundation for their life. And it makes me want to deal with my mess because what happens with a lot of parents is, and we see this over and over, we see cycles of generations, uh, curses of cycles and cycles of pain. And it's like, if you had a baton in this relay of like your family history and your parents gave you a baton that was negativity and pain, it's hard for you to play catch up. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I had a great father. I had a great mother that I feel like gave me the baton in, in the lead but I wanna make it even greater. And so I wanna make sure that I keep furthering that lead for my son, for my daughters. I don't wanna make sure, I don't wanna have them you know, falling behind off of my mistakes. And so I wanna make sure I take care of my mess so my mess isn't the foundation for their life because most adults spend their whole entire life trying to recover from their childhood. And I don't want my kids to have to go through that.
1: Love it, man. How do you deal with fear in your life? Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> so I go attack it, nah. but
2: um, I really do, man. Um, because you know, I feel like there's two types of fears. For one, there's a fear, you know, I don't know if there's like a a uh, a proper definition of it, but there's two types of fear. There's a fear I feel like that like keeps you alive, right? A smart yep. fear that tells you like don't do that or something's gonna happen. But there's also a fear that I feel keeps you from everything in your life. And I came up with this def. Well, I didn't come up with it, but uh. I realized this while I was skydiving um, because I had a fear of heights. I had a fear of speaking. So I said, you know what? Let me go attack this fear. Okay. It was a gift from somebody um, that I didn't want to do it. And they bought it. we like, you know, skydiving? what do I get you, bro? Like, I don't know what to get you. It's like, this is what you <laughs> picked. I, I try to talk myself out of it. Okay. Um, and I try to talk him out, out of it. Like, I try to look up the guidelines. I think you have to have a weight limit. I think it's like 230. And I yeah. was like 220. So like 18, <laughs> and stuff like that. I want to be like that dude that was scared but yeah. to make a long story short in the moment of being up there in the plane I realized what fear is and fear is creating a known result from a situation that I've experienced that so what that what that means is that obviously I was afraid to skydive because I was telling myself well I was going to parachute I was thinking of all the negative reasons all the negative things that could happen yeah. speaking on stage the same thing all the negative things are going to happen so I learned that If you change what awaits on the other side of fear, and it's something that's positive, something that's growing, something that's gonna help you, you will go through fear every time. But if it's something that's limiting, something that's negative, you will never walk through that door. And so I deal with fear by just changing what awaits on the other side.
1: Very cool, man. So I would consider you someone that I look up to as a mentor when it comes to your public speaking career and how you've crushed it with videos and how you speak in such an eloquent way. For those who have that fear of speaking on stage and, you know, they they didn't grow up with the best communication skills, what advice do you give them if they're looking to break through that barrier? Because, you know, it's like that quote, it's like the second um, biggest fear besides death is public speaking, right? So what do you tell people that may have that fear of, you know, just speaking from the heart?
2: Yeah, so that would be the first thing I'll tell them. Uh, You know, coming from the heart will always help your story. You always find confidence in it. And that's why I see a lot of speakers start off with their story because that's where they're most confident. You know, for years, that would be my go-to because there wasn't a lot of things that I experienced in life at that time. So when you come from your story, you're always going to be confident because you live that you, you experience. So I always come from a place of experience. But also as a speaker, I would tell you to like anything else, the, you know, the killer to all fear is repetition. You know, think about it. You were afraid to maybe drive before. You were afraid to do a lot of things. But the more you actually did it, the lesson became fearful. So every single day, because people might be like, well, Trent, I don't have a stage to f- speak on. It doesn't matter. Speak to your cell phone. Like, record videos, even if you never post it. Do yeah. like me every single day. If you literally would drive next to me in the car, you would see me doing a speech every day. Because okay. I know that that builds that repetition. The more I, I rep it, the more I become confident at it. So do that and go put in that work. You know, 10,000 hours and just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and you'll find confidence in it. And then you'll grow, you'll learn, you'll adjust, you'll see what works, you'll see what doesn't work. And last but not least, as a, as a speaker on stage, one of the things that always helps me is telling myself that I'm selfish. And I'll tell you why. If I'm worried about how I'm gonna sound, how I'm gonna look, I'm being selfish. As a speaker, you're there to serve. And you can't be a servant if you're selfish. So I know if I'm scared, it's my ego. I'm thinking about me too much. And so I say, Trent, stop being selfish, go out there being perfect, you know, give yourself permission to fail, give yourself permission to mess up and just go out there and impact lives from the most transparent and pure place. And every time I give myself permission to do that, I feel the overwhelming stream of confidence before I step on stage. So stop trying to be perfect and just go share your gift.
1: I love that, man. Um, Can you talk to me about um, your book, Straight Up and what that means to you and why you decided to write it?
2: Yeah, man. So that's just kind of the word that I've been saying for the last few years, man. It just, just came, you know, I'm just, maybe okay. it's just my language. And it's saying. your podcast it's like, too, whatever. right?
1: Straight up. That's the name of your yep, podcast. Straight
2: up. And so what it means, man, is just that it's just real straight up talk to the point, you know, no fluff. Um, I just feel like that's just my DNA and what rehab time is all about. And this book is really cool. So my past book, The Greatest You, I felt like it was for, it's an easy read, but I still feel like it was for a reader, you know, it's stories in there, And, you know, most kids, even myself, I don't like to read books. It's crazy. I write them, I like to read them. I like to listen to them. But I wanted to make something that was very familiar with my online content. And so when you pick up this book straight up, I'm being straight up about so many topics, about relationships, about your dreams, about fear. And literally, there's 12 12 or 13 uh, sections, and each section has about five lessons in it. And you can read a lesson literally in five minutes. And it's short to the point. If you like my videos, you're going to love this book. This book is my favorite book so far. Like, I like it better than I actually like uh, <laughs> The Greatest Shoe. And it's for, it's for it's targeted to young adults, yep. you know? So I think you're going to really relate to it and, and love it.
1: Yeah. What advice do you give to speaking on a young, young adult? So I'm 19, right? And like three years ago when I got started on social media and just in high school, a lot of my friends and still so to this day, they don't know what they want out of life they don't know what direction they want to go in and I've been blessed to find my path but what what advice you give to young adults who might not have their life laid out or to the point where they're just stressed out because they think if they have this you know this time bomb running out of hey I need to figure my life out what's your advice to them
2: yeah man you know it's that's a sticky place because I mean at the end of the day none of us knows how much time we have but for all of us, you know, tomorrow has come for all of us. And so you have to find that balance of having patience, but also, you know, putting in the work. And when it comes to discovering your gifts, you know, I lay it out and I always tell people, you know, it's about a place of power. It's about a place of connection. It's about a place of um, even, even freedom that you feel. And so it took me, I love music, right? I love writing. I, I love rapping at, the, at, at at a point in my life. I still do, I still write lyrics and, I thought I would be a rapper and obviously that didn't happen, but I started to realize, man, like I have a gift of connection. I feel like I didn't have a gift of speaking necessarily, but I had a gift of connection. I knew I could just connect with people. And so I would tell you don't ignore that calling in your heart. Um, And I think we all have that. I call it like the shower moment, like in the shower, you know, you sing in front of yourself and you sound terrible probably, but you sing to the top (laughs) of your lungs and then you silence your voice in front of everybody else. So it's like, if nobody was on this earth, um, and nobody could judge you, what would be the thing that, that would make you feel most alive? And I would say, go pursue and do that thing. And even if it's not that thing, going to pursue that might lead you to what that thing could actually be.
1: Yeah, so I, I'd love for you to take me back. What were you doing in uh, you know elementary, middle, high school? Was it just football 100% of your time, or bring us to like you know the earliest yeah. print? <laughs>
2: So it was um, it was all sports, man. I was actually better in baseball than I was at football. Um, okay. I quit because I got bored with it in tenth grades. <laughs> I pace. wish I would have never did that. I wish I would have never did that. Okay. But um, all sports was my life, man. Uh, basketball, it. football, baseball. I grew up in New Orleans, uh, Kenner, Louisiana. And, you know, it was outside of that, bro, it was just me having fun and competing with my brothers, you know, um, in every and anything. And so – After, you know, moving from elementary school to middle school, I fell in love with music. Uh, I still love music to this day. So I dibbled and dabbled with that over time, man. And just, I've always been a creative in some type of way. I've always tried to be artistic, even though I can't draw, but be artistic in my expressions and things that I do. So outside of sports, I would say music was the thing for me.
1: Very cool. How often are you um, creating these videos that you're putting out, especially the ones that are more like production style, because like yeah, those are the ones where I look at it and I'm like, wow, like it's, there's such a creative element where I'd love to hear, you know, not only your strategy, but how often you're, you're putting in time to create these, uh, these type of videos.
2: Yeah, man. So it's changed over the last few years. Um, I would say we were shooting for like once a week, um, but with me, If I'm not moved, I'm not gonna do it. And again, that's a sticky place because sometimes you have to push through it, right? You have to learn if like, okay, am I just procrastinating? But if if I'm not inspired, like I can't do it. And so right now I have so much content from the past. uh, We'll put out maybe like two or or three a month. And it just depends. So like some of the videos we do where I'll be like running and hiking and we'll just put some B roll. That's easy because I'm just like, hey Shane, like just come get some footage and I'll just speak what's on my heart. But, like the videos, like everybody isn't your friend, our friend spoken, where we're actually shooting a video tomorrow. Um, that takes a little bit more planning. So, I'm at least trying to get out one a month for sure. Yep. But when I first started, it was like once a week.
1: Very cool. What's your advice to someone that's looking to build their brand on social media in 2020 with, you know, there's so much noise? How do you stand out? Yeah, you got to
2: figure out what your, it's funny, I just did a podcast episode of this. Um, you have to, you know, find your magnet. And, I think a question that I, that you can ask yourself that I've asked myself was, in an industry in a space where there's so much noise, like what's going to be the thing, or what's what's missing from that space. So as a speaker, I studied the speaking game. I was like, okay, this is what's missing as a content creator. I first started, okay, this is what was missing, and I felt like what was missing, you know, from what I saw, was just a real like relatability and just being real and connecting. And so I like amplified that to the fullest and. Even to this day, I have people be like, hey, why do you follow me? It's because, hey, man, your content is just real. And so um, I would tell people to ask yourself what's missing from the space and then ask yourself uh, what can you bring that's different? What's different about you? What's different about your personality? And you're like, well, I don't know. Ask people around you. Like your magnet is the thing that brings people to you. And so we all have a magnet. Sometimes it's the way we smile. It's the way we talk. It's the way we articulate. It's the way we educate. It's our passion ask people like what is it about you that stands out and if you get a common answer i wouldn't ignore that and i would double down on that and try to bring that more out to the world yeah
1: very cool man do you have someone that was like an inspiration to you to to dive all in on social before or what does that look like in your life
2: uh you know like mentor inspiration yeah I, i really did when i started um you know Looking back, like, I, it wasn't anybody that I saw I was like, oh, I want to, you know, do it like that. Because like I said, I didn't even know I wanted to do it. But as far as like content wise, you know, uh, I'm inspired, like Prince Ea, is somebody that I, yeah. I love his work. And yeah. you know, that's a good friend of mine. I love his work. I love the way he pushes the, the envelope. I mean, there's, there's yeah. tons of people from the personal development world. You know, John Maxwell tell people he was the first, like, person. He was the first book that I picked up with personal yeah. development. And I fell in love with his work because how he articulates words and just his his quality on leadership. And so, yeah, man. And then I'm a fan of, honestly, I'm a fan of people that probably people wouldn't even know. And so I'm inspired by the the person that nobody knows that's just artistic. And I'm like, man, like, I love what they do. So I'm just a fan of anything that inspires me.
1: Very cool, man. How has um the situation happening in the world right now, coronavirus, affected you personally? With having to stay home, and how have you been able to adapt?
2: Yeah, man, it's tough. I mean, you know, my kids are are here, and we're just everybody's here. So, like, the energy, you know, if you're around, you know, people 24 <laughs> seven, the energies are going to be different, right? People are going to get frustrated, and so um I came up with, you know, just some releases that I'm doing with my family. You know, we're making sure we're walking outside. We're making sure you know, we're moving our body, things like that. Um, it's affected me business-wise a lot. I mean, you know, even from a merchandise standpoint, my printer was down because he wasn't an essential worker. So we couldn't put out merch at that time. It affected me from the speaking career. I mean, it's affected me financially because, you know, things that I have that people are a part of, obviously there's more important needs for them right now. So it is affecting me, um, even from, you know, content and, you know, uh, uh, revenue from content, you know, advertisers aren't paying as much right now. So it's affecting me. But at the end of the day, um, I got into this to impact lives. So I know I can still do that. I know everything else will take care of itself. So.
1: Totally. Very cool, man. Where's, what do you do on a daily basis that keeps you centered and aligned with everything you have going on? Like, you know, give us the daily routine if there is one.
2: Yeah, <laughs> man. So, uh, on a perfect day, like today, today was one of those days where yeah. I before the sun, the sun was up. Uh, went to the office, but people people that know man they they know I love to talk about protecting my peace, and uh that 's what I call my time for myself, where I disconnect from the world and it connect to my soul and oftentimes it 's in nature you know I have a trail by my house, yep. I go out in nature and my and my promise to myself that nothing exists you know outside of these trails, and so that 's where you know I have my conversations with myself that 's where I build my emotional intelligence that 's where I deal with the things I need to deal with I set my intentions for the day. And um, that's what it is for me, man, protecting my peace. And I I make sure that's priority because when I don't do that, I'm not centered. And I'm not the best father, um, husband, coach, mentor, whatever title you want to give me that I could be. And I refuse to be less. And so I make sure I take care of that.
1: Very cool, man. I have uh, one more question before we wrap up, man. Just if you were to give yourself any piece of advice early on that you've experienced up to this point, what would you tell yourself? (sighs) <sighs> hmm.
2: if I was to give myself advice early on, what would I tell myself? The main thing would have to be, I'm just going to, how it comes tomorrow, stop tripping. Everything is going to be okay. Um, Especially, you know, like I said, during my time of 23, 24, where I felt like my life was over because the thing that I put so much effort into was over. And so now when I look back, I was like, man, I was worried about the wrong thing. You know, it was actually, that setback was my greatest setup for something greater. So I would tell myself, man, stop tripping, breathe, meditate, value your mental health more and control what you can control.
1: Love that, man. Just to wrap it up, you have a lot of places people can follow you and you have a lot of things that you have going on, but where's the best place for people to stay in touch with you and what should they look forward to coming out from you this year? Yeah, man.
2: That's a great question. So I'm gonna say, um what's your is your audience like young adults mostly? 18 to 25. Yeah. Yeah. So am I'm not gonna say Facebook. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like Facebook, what's Facebook? <laughs> so I'm gonna say um definitely Instagram uh right now for me. Uh I need to get better on YouTube more more consistent on it, but at Trent Sheldon on Instagram, uh, YouTube, and then TikTok, I'm I'm starting that right now as TikTok. Okay. So,
1: TikTok, that's what's up. Yeah,
2: so at the Trent Sheldon on TikTok, uh, and just trying to figure out. I think I'm just being more creative on there, just having fun.
1: Yeah, and
2: so yeah. Uh, things you can expect, man, is um, you know, I made a commitment to myself this year that I would be more true to my creativity, and what I mean by that, it, it gets tough when it's like a music artist, right? Like when you create things that people love, right? So like albums that people love, and it might not be your favorite album, but that's what people want from you. And I feel like with my, like with my career in these last 10 years, like I know exactly what people want from me, but that isn't always what I want to put out. And so I told myself this year that I'm going to put out more of, you know, what's, what's true to me what makes me feel alive what fulfills me what challenges me even if people don't like it you know i'm gonna do it so you have to tune in man to see what exactly what that is but we're gonna get into music all these different things avenues film and just try some stuff man and see how it goes
1: love it well that being said trent and everyone listening make sure you check out trent i'll make sure to link all the his social media profiles down below and that being said thanks so much for coming on the show man
2: thank you bro i appreciate you man